0: as we continue to uh, worship through the reading and preaching of the word here this morning, in Hebrews chapter 11. I'm at the, uh, at the age now where lots of my friends are becoming dads for the first time. And uh, it's really, really exciting, I think, and really cool to see uh, new dads show their, their love and their care for their kids. And one of my favorite ways to see this happen is when dads are playing with their kids. And it's almost inevitable, it seems like. Eventually, a dad is just going to turn into like an amusement park for their kids. It's gonna happen, right? We've all seen it. You grab a kid and you throw him up in the air and you catch him. Or all of a sudden the kid's, you know, piggyback or hanging off your arms or whatever it's gonna be. We've all seen it. And, and I love to see it. But what I find amazing about when that happens is that even though these kids, if you think about it, are really in unusual, uncomfortable, and really dangerous situations, I mean, think about it, being tossed up in the air, upside down from someone's arm, they never seem afraid. Now, maybe the kids just don't know better. That's certainly possible. But I think, I think that these kids, they trust. They have their faith in their dad. They believe, they trust, they know that their father holds them through the unusual, the uncomfortable and the dangerous. And I think that this is a powerful example of what we're going to see happening in our passage here in Hebrews 11 today as well, because we're going to be reading about the life of Moses and witness his faith in his heavenly father in the midst of uncomfortable and extremely difficult circumstances. He knows God is going to hold him through it all. So far in our series through Hebrews 11, we've already seen the faith of Abel and of Enoch, Noah. Abraham and Sarah, Isaac, Jacob, and Joseph. And each of them, they walked by faith in the one true God, trusting even in brand new, unheard of, and quite frankly, impossible situations. And in Hebrews chapter 11, verses 23 through 28, we see more trying times and more difficult situations. But we see that Moses is also one who endured by faith. So, beginning in verse 23 of Hebrews chapter 11, we see that Moses was saved from persecution by faith. Verse 23 says this By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden for three months by his parents because they saw that the child was beautiful and they were not afraid of the king's edict. Now, This verse is interesting because even though this passage is focusing on the person of Moses, it's not actually his view, or or sorry, his faith that's in view here. Rather, it's speaking about the faith of his parents in a very, very difficult situation, which we can read about more in the book of Exodus. And so keep your finger in Hebrews 11. We're going to be flipping back and forth from Exodus to Hebrews. So Exodus chapter 1. Exodus chapter 1. Well, many years have uh, passed from Exodus chapter 1 to what happened in the end of Genesis. Uh, last week, we talked a little bit about Joseph, and Joseph ended up being in Egypt and was essentially like the prime minister uh, in Egypt, and uh, that meant that the Israelites, they had a pretty good standing in Egypt. But there was a new pharaoh in town, and he forgot all about that. And this new pharaoh, he afflicted the Israelites with, with heavy burdens. He made them slaves. He persecuted, he oppressed the Hebrews because he was afraid of Israel rising up against him. And so that fear, that hatred that he had, that paranoia led to a decree. And that's the decree that we read in Exodus chapter one, verse 22. We see there, it says, then Pharaoh commanded all his people, every son that is born to the Hebrews, you shall cast into the Nile, but you shall let every daughter live. Oh, we're probably familiar with the story, but I mean, that's, that's, systematic ethnic persecution. That's what's happening there. Not only are the Jews being mistreated as slaves, but they're also just generally being weakened as a people because the Pharaoh and the Egyptians are taking the baby boys and they're murdering them. That's what's happening. What was happening to the Jews here, it's a horrible act of hatred. But this world of hatred against the Jews is the world that little Moses was born into. If we keep reading Exodus chapter 2 verses 1 to 2. Now a man from the house of Levi went and took as his wife a Levite woman. The woman conceived and bore a son. And when she saw that he was a fine child, she hid him three months. I just want you to imagine for a second that you're in the position of Moses' parents. You have a baby on the way. You know the the king's decree. So you're probably hoping and praying for a girl. Because, I mean, it just would be a lot simpler, right? If, you're, if you have a girl, it's, it's a lot easier. And the big day comes, and there's a beautiful baby. Boy. Oh, boy. Wouldn't your heart sink a little bit? Wouldn't you be afraid? I think I would be. I would have some fear if I was in that situation. But back in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 23, it tells us that Moses' parents were not afraid. Of the king's edict. Now, I'm sure they still had some negative, uh, negative um, emotions that we associate with fear. Uh, I'm sure there was still some level of nervousness that they had when the baby started crying, like shh, like you know, trying to hush the baby a little bit. They probably had some level of trepidation as Egyptians walked by, and they know that their baby could just be grabbed and tossed into the Nile. But yet, it says they were not afraid. Why not? Well, the first two words of Hebrews 11 verse 23 tell us, by faith. Moses' parents could hear and know this decree from the Pharaoh and be unafraid because they were living by faith in the one true God. They were trusting in God. They knew that he was the giver of life and therefore he had something better than death for this little beautiful baby boy. Now, whether Moses' parents knew that God had an extraordinary plan for Moses or not, we're not entirely sure. Some translations, perhaps the translation you're reading from, says that Moses' parents saw that he was no ordinary child. I believe that's what the NIV says. So no ordinary child. Perhaps they knew that he wasn't normal. Maybe they had some sort of insight into Moses being set apart for a specific task by God. Or maybe they didn't. Maybe they had no foresight of God's plan for Moses and they rather just saw this was a beautiful boy that God had given life to and therefore he was worth saving. Either way, they knew that in God's eyes, Moses was beautiful. It says as much in chapter seven of Acts, Stephen is, um, he's giving a sermon before he's, he's killed and he talks about Moses. He says that Moses was beautiful in God's eyes. And so Moses' parents knew that, and they hid him away for three months, as we read there. So rather than sinfully obeying the Pharaoh and allowing their child to be killed, Moses' parents trusted God. They walked by faith, and they protected their son. And they were rewarded for their faith. Because they trusted in God, Moses miraculously was saved from the persecution you know, again, most of us are familiar with this account, but after the three months of hiding, Moses was placed in a basket and he was placed among the, the reeds and found by Pharaoh's daughter of all people. Like that, you know, that, that's more than a coincidence. Pretty sure we have to recognize that. Pharaoh's daughter finds this Hebrew baby and she had pity on the baby, allowed him to be nursed by his own mother who was paid. This baby was supposed to be dead and now the mother was being paid to nurse her own baby. And then finally, baby Moses was given to Pharaoh's daughter and was raised as her son. He was part of the family of the Pharaoh. But the reward of Moses' parents' faith was his survival, which is pretty pretty amazing. And apparently, Moses caught some of that example from his parents, that example of faith. Because just as they stood up and had faith in the midst of persecution— He actually did the same thing later on in life. Last week, we talked about the the passing on of the, the promises of Scripture, the passing on of our faith, in a sense. I think that's partially what we see happening here, even in this text. Moses ends up defying the most powerful man on earth, the Pharaoh, and acted in faith rather than in fear. Look at Hebrews 11, verse 27. Skipping ahead a little bit, but it says there, By faith he left Egypt, not being afraid of the anger of the king for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. So just like his parents were unafraid at the king's edict, Moses also was unafraid. Both Moses and his parents trusted the invisible king of kings instead of cowering at the wicked, visible king of Egypt. And the survival and the freedom of the entire nation of Israel is really predicated on these acts of faith. Had they not trusted God and defied Pharaoh's decree, Moses would not have eventually led the people out of Egypt. These acts of faith in the midst of danger and persecution led to all Israel being saved. And this must have been such an encouragement for the original readers of Hebrews because they were actively being persecuted because they were Christians. And, and uh, they could read of the faith of Moses and his parents and realize... Well, by faith, we can stand under the world's pressure. If they could do it, so could we, the Hebrews would have said. They could look at these examples and be emboldened to stand firm in Christ in the midst of persecution. The early Christians could be strengthened knowing they could trust in God rather than cowering at the hands of persecutors. God would hold them fast. Now, did that mean that some of them wouldn't die? No, many of them did but they could still know that God would hold them fast through it. This is something so many people understood throughout the scriptures. I think of the example of Paul and Silas. As they're thrown in jail, and what do they do? They sing. They're singing about it. Acts 16, verse 25. Why can they sing praises? Because they're living by faith. That's what's happening there. It's something that countless Christians throughout church history have known as they walked faithfully with God in the midst of outside pressure. Still just faithful. It's something that our our brothers and sisters around the world who face serious persecution can be comforted by as well, just knowing we can can walk by faith through this. And this is something that each of us would do well to remember also. Now, we might not be severely persecuted, but we can still face pressures from the world for sure. maybe, Maybe you face pressures to believe something that's opposed to Scripture, Maybe, like Moses' parents, you're pressured to do something you know is immoral, is wrong. And that pressure that we face, it can come from peers, it can come from employers, it can come from media, it can come from all sorts of places. But like the early Christians, I hope that we can look at Hebrews chapter 11, verse 23, and recognize we can face these pressures and not be afraid. We simply must walk in. In obedient faith in the one who can hold us fast through the times of pressure in our lives, like Moses and his parents did. I hope again that that's an encouragement to us as it was for the first readers of the book of Hebrews. But Moses, he was not only saved from persecution by faith, he also surrendered something. He surrendered worldly pleasures by faith, as we see in Hebrews 11, verses 24 through 27 So we've already seen how Moses was saved and adopted by Pharaoh's daughter when he was just a small child. And he had gone, if we think about it, he'd gone from a home where he was being actively persecuted and his his parents were slaves to all of a sudden being in a home where, I mean, he was the king's grandson. That's That's what happened there. He was in the daughter of the king's house. And with that, would have come all sorts of luxuries that Moses would not have otherwise seen, never mind even known they existed. You know, we see just from these verses that we read that Moses suddenly had status. Again, he was the son of Pharaoh's daughter. That's a decently powerful position. Some commentators actually believe that Moses might have been in line for the throne. Probably not first in line, but maybe if enough people had died, he could have ended up as the Pharaoh in Egypt. That's a lot of pomp and power for a guy who is supposed to be dead. Acts 7, verse 22 says that he has this, this power. It says this Moses was instructed in all the wisdom of the Egyptians, and he was mighty in words and deeds. He suddenly had power. He was mighty. Again, clearly he had some status, he had some power. We also see here in Hebrews 11 that Moses now lived in a place with access to enjoyment of all sorts of different pleasures. It says in Hebrews 11, the fleeting pleasures of sin. As a member of the royal family in Egypt, I mean, Moses could have named named a pleasure and it would have been his, just like that. He could have had it. Moses would have had greater access to worldly pleasure than any of the other Israelites at that time. In verse 26, it also tells us that Moses had material goods like no other Israelite would have. As one who grew up probably in the palace, the treasures of Egypt would have been accessible to Moses. Riches upon riches could have been his. All of this and more could belong to Moses because he was the son of Pharaoh's daughter. But when he grew up, he put that all aside and he left the house of Pharaoh. Turn back with me to Exodus chapter 2. Look at verse 11. It says there, One day when Moses had grown up, he went out. Went out of where? Well, he went out of his Pharaoh's, Pharaoh's household. Went out to his people and looked on their burdens. He saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, one of his People. See, Moses did not consider the Egyptians to be his people anymore. He refused to be called a relative of Pharaoh. He left. He left their house. We can see here what he's doing. He's planting his flag with the people of Israel. He looked on their burdens and he said, Those are my burdens. He acted like Christ would many years later, identifying with the people who were enslaved. Moses saw these Israelites, they were were enslaved. They were the people from whom Christ would come later on. And he saw they were being beaten. They were being mistreated. And he said, hey, hey, those are my brothers. Those are my people. I'm with them. I'm not an Egyptian. I'm an Israelite. Now, why would he do that? Why would you choose to be mistreated when the world is at your fingertips? Because it was. He had it all. Well, because of faith. By faith... Moses refused to benefit from his privileged upbringing, but rather he chose to suffer with his people. He believed that suffering for God in the will of God would bring greater treasure than the riches of Egypt could ever bring. So by faith, he left the comfort of Egypt and was looking to a greater reward, as it says in verse 26 of Hebrews 11. Now there's a few possibilities as to what this greater reward could be. That Moses was pursuing. Maybe he was looking ahead to the reward of freedom for him and his people. He was hoping for the land that God had promised to Abraham. Or maybe the reward that Moses was pursuing was, was heaven. It talks about that in Hebrews 11, verse 16. It says, But as it is, they desire a better country, that is, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared for them a city. Maybe that was the great treasure he was hoping for the city that God had made but I believe that the reward Moses was looking to was actually greater than both of those things the reward that Moses was looking to it's alluded to in verse 27 and verse 26 and 27 are kind of parallel so if we see the end of verse 26 it says that he was looking to the reward and then verse 27 it says that he endured as seeing him who is invisible So verse 26 says he was looking to his reward. Verse 27 says he was seeing him who is invisible. I think that what that's telling us is that Moses' reward was the invisible God. Moses was looking to God because God was Moses' reward. Now he couldn't see him. He was invisible, but that didn't matter. Because that's faith. Hebrews 11 verse 1 says that. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the convictions of things not seen. He couldn't see God. Didn't matter. That was his reward. God was his reward. He chose to have a reward that was invisible and eternal rather than a physical and temporary reward because he could see his reward clearly by faith. John Wesley once said, a true Christian faith fulfills man's desires to perceive the eternal. It gives him a more extensive knowledge of all things invisible. Living faith introduces him to what the eye has not seen, nor the ear heard, nor the heart conceived in the clearest light, with the fullest certainty and evidence. Can see things that are unseen with certainty and evidence by faith. And Moses saw with certainty that his reward for surrendering the pleasures and comforts of the world was God Himself, I think, once again, this is a powerful example for us today. Like Moses, we, by faith, can renounce earthly status, pleasures, and treasures. And we can look to a far greater reward. Everything Moses renounced in Egypt are things that we, as Christians, are tempted about often enough. Or are things that we have access to. If we think of, of status, right, we're we're told to present ourselves in a way that makes it look like we have status. And that happens from the time we're yay tall, just small. I remember in grade school, if you didn't dress a certain way, you weren't cool, you weren't popular. Yeah, no, whatever. You're not worth my time. You're told right from that time, you need status. Pursue status. And if, if we don't have status, we won't be respected. So we're tempted. We feel tempted. Find status. We're also told there are far greater pleasures outside of the bounds of Scripture. And thus, we're, we're tempted to give in to sin that will destroy us because we're told, how can you enjoy life apart from these things, right? And thus, we, we can be tempted by that. Even though we all live in one of the richest countries in the world, we're told that money is everything. We could never have enough. And sometimes we buy into that lie and we find ourselves being discontent with what God has given us. So, all the things that Moses had to deal with, but by faith, we can recognize that there is a way, way better reward, a way greater treasure than those things. And it's found in the God that we cannot see. Paul says in Philippians 3, verse 7 Whatever gain I had, I counted it as loss for the sake of Christ. All these former things that we thought were treasures, that's loss. That's nothing for the sake of Christ Jesus. I love what it says just after Hebrews 11. Hebrews 12, verses 1 to 2. Tells us again what our reward is. Who our reward is. It says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which clings so closely. All those temptations, lay those aside by faith and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us looking to Jesus the founder and perfecter of our faith. It's telling us that Jesus is the prize. It says, when you're running this race of life, keep your eyes on the prize. Keep your eyes on the treasure. That treasure is Jesus. We can renounce these earthly things by keeping our eyes on Jesus Christ and running by faith in him. He's the one that gives us the strength to lay aside those weights and burdens and sins and to live for him. He gave that same strength to Moses who left the comfort of the world by faith and looked to the reward of God himself. And we can do the same. We know that God is the greatest treasure. Psalm 16, verse 11 says that in God's presence, there is fullness of joy. And at his right hand, there is pleasures forevermore. That's beautiful. That is an amazing reward. And with that reward in mind, it allows us to renounce the things of the world by faith. Well, finally, we get to the last verse of our passage today, where we read that by faith, Moses was saved from destruction. Verse 28 of Hebrews 11. It says, by faith, he kept the Passover and sprinkled the blood so that the destroyer of the firstborn might not touch them. This verse is speaking of the events that led to Moses and the Israelites actually leaving Egypt. And we're going to talk a little bit more about that next week. But nine times Moses had gone to the Pharaoh at this point to request that the Israelites be set free. And nine times, we know, the Pharaoh said no, even as God was sending plagues on the Egyptian people. But this verse, it's speaking about the 10th plague which we can read about, again, back in Exodus, if you want to turn back with me. Exodus chapter 12 this time. Exodus 12, verse 21 to 23. This is what the plague is all about. Then Moses called all the elders of Israel and said to them, Go and select lambs for yourself according to your clans, and kill the Passover lamb." pretty, again, a pretty common story, but I think that makes us not think about what was actually being asked of Moses here and the rest of the Israelites. Kill a lamb and paint your doorpost with its blood and you'll be saved from the destroyer who's coming to strike firstborn children. It's a pretty wild, wild uh, thing to to say, right? To command. It sounds kind of crazy. And I can't help but be reminded of Noah. We read about in Hebrews 11, verse 7. It says there, too, that he had to do something pretty crazy. By faith, Noah, being warned by God concerning events as yet unseen, in reverent fear, constructed an ark for the saving of his household. Uh, He had to make an ark and see rain. There was no flood coming. What do you do? You're crazy. Yet, he made this ark. Neither building an ark when there has been no rain or painting your doorpost with blood seems very sensible. Yet both Noah and Moses walked in obedience to what God had said. They believed God. They had faith that God would save them and their families from destruction. And by faith, the destroyer of the firstborn did not touch the Israelites, but struck down the firstborn of those Egyptians who did not obey God." And I will, I will quickly say here, it does seem uh, likely enough that there, there could have been some Egyptians who did actually have their firstborn spared. Exodus chapter 12, it talks about um, the sojourner among the Israelites. And so it's very possible that Moses and the Israelites told some of these sojourners, the Israelites, um, or the Egyptians among them, hey, this is what God says, paint your doorpost with blood. Many of them probably obeyed. Now, Moses and the Israelites couldn't force them to obey they still had to act by faith and paint that blood on their doors. That was the choice of each individual, each household. You could either have faith and be saved, or you could not, and you could be destroyed. And that was just what occurred on the night of the Passover all those years ago. And the reality is the same thing is true today. As humans, we can either have faith and be saved, or we will face destruction. The New Testament makes this just abundantly clear to us. We must put our faith in Jesus Christ to be saved. We need to recognize that we are sinners who've disobeyed God. We've we've fallen for the lies of the world. And we've embraced sin, and that means that we deserve death. We deserve destruction. We deserve hell, the Bible says. And that means that we need a savior, namely, we need Jesus. Because Jesus came to earth, he was perfect was fully God, fully man, and he lived a holy, perfect life. He died on the cross. He shed his blood to pay for our sins. And then he rose again. He rose again on the third day. And he said, hey, I'm victorious over sin and death, and I am the one way to be saved. All you have to do, put your faith in him. Same thing. If you put, by faith, we are saved. If we are not living by faith, destruction. We're justified, we're saved by faith. Romans 5 verse 1 makes that clear as well. And I trust that the majority of us here today have already been saved by faith. Probably not all of us, but but most. For those of us that know this good news, that faith is what saves, I hope we recognize that this good news is for others too. Again, it appears that Moses and the Israelites, they recognized that in Exodus. They went and told the Egyptians who were among them, faith saves, do this. The disciples in the New Testament, they certainly knew that faith saves. As Jesus ascended into heaven and and told them to be a witness to his life, his death, his resurrection, and to call people to faith. And so they did. And so I encourage each of us today as well. If you know the importance of faith and you've believed in Jesus Christ, Tell others. Tell others the the truth. Faith saves. Now, if we tell people that, could that lead to those outside pressures from the world? Yeah, it sure could. How did Moses and his parents respond when they faced pressure? Well, by faith, they were not afraid and they endured. We can do the same. Could sharing the fact that faith saves lead... uh, could that lead us to feel the need to surrender the world's pleasures and comfort to pick up our things and go elsewhere to tell people who haven't heard that news before? Yeah, it sure could. But like Moses, we can renounce these these worldly comforts, these earthly things by faith, knowing there's a far greater treasure and it's Christ. And then we can share that greatest treasure with others. Of course, there's other situations where we need to do this as well. But in these uncomfortable, maybe even dangerous situations that we could find ourselves in, we can have faith in the invisible God, knowing that he helps us endure until the end when we keep our eyes fixed on him. That's the hope. That's the, the message of this passage from the hall of faith in Hebrews 11 when we're in the uncomfortable, when we're in the dangerous, when we face those pressures, we can trust in God and he will take care of us. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this passage in Hebrews that walks us through so many amazing examples of people who live by faith. And we thank you for the example of Moses and his parents who walked by faith They did not fear, they were not afraid to surrender the the world's pleasures and treasures because they had their eyes fixed on you. I pray that each of us here would also have our eyes fixed on the prize that is Christ Jesus. And Lord, for those of us who know that faith saves, I pray that you would embolden us and encourage us to go and to share that faith saves with others. Faith saves from destruction. And Lord, if there's any who are here today who have not yet put their faith in you, Lord, I pray that you would, your Holy Spirit would be convicting them of their sin. You would show them how much they need a savior. And Lord, that they would come to faith in you. Lord, we, we just thank you so much for this amazing gift of, uh, of yourself that you've given us. And that, that is the only way to be saved by faith. And we pray these things now in Jesus' name, amen. At this time, I'll invite you all to stand again as we uh, close service and singing together.